Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. I've got some pictures to show you. You should recognise the folk in them, hopefully. Um, and a few questions. Who's this guy? Rocky. Rocky. Thank you for saying Rocky rather than Sylvester Sloan, yeah? Um, the question, the main question here is what is he devoted to? Boxing. Boxing, great. And lastly, what, uh, what part of his lifestyle are you least attracted to? What? <laughs> is that something you wanted to do? Oh, wow. Didn't expect that answer. <laughs> Thanks, Sue. There we go. That's how to start a sermon. Uh, any, any other answers? Good contribution. Good things are not like. Anything else about his lifestyle that you wouldn't run. like? Eh? The morning run that he does. The morning run. Absolutely devastating. I don't even know how long it was, but you know, he seemed like he ran to another state of America. You know. Great. Next person, please. Who is this? General um, Lady. <laughs> Mark can do better than General la- Lady. You've got to do better than that. No, I'm the biggest geek in here. You know. Isaac knows. Akoye David. Thank you. Akoye. Fantastic. And what is Akoye devoted to? Wakanda. Thank you. She's devoted to Wakanda. And what part of her lifestyle, if anyone's seen Black Panther, what part of her lifestyle are we least attracted to? Just no free time, absolutely. Anything else? How about the spear? I don't know. I imagine she's in peril quite a lot. She's in peril quite a lot. What a great answer, thank you. Absolutely. Uh, moving on, last one, is it? No, we've got two more. Uh, who's this guy? Louis Armstrong. Louis Armstrong, thank you. And uh, what is he devoted to? Music, absolutely. And what part of his lifestyle are we... Jazz, yeah. What part of his lifestyle, unless jazz is your answer to this, do, are we <laughs> least attracted to? Learning uh, scales. Learning scales, absolutely. You know, probably like, at first, before this guy was famous, uh, there wouldn't have been a whole lot of money in being a musician. Um, definitely unattractive, isn't it? Okay, lastly, um, who's this guy? How do we know, Nicky, that that's John the Baptist? He's got the camel fur. I've heard in real life he wasn't a cartoon, but he's got some honeycomb there. He apparently ate honey and he ate locusts. Um, What was he devoted to? He's called John the Baptist. What was he devoted to? No. Thank you, Georgia. Thank you. So this is the answer I wanted Georgia to say. Georgia said he was devoted to baptising people. Um, and this is the real answer. Um, I wanted you to say that. I led you to that, you know. But really, it's the coming Messiah. He, w- he had his life devoted to Jesus, okay? And something we're going to be thinking about in this next kind of 20, 30 minutes is how we can have our lives be devoted to Jesus and why we would even want to do that. Um, some of you might be thinking in here, um, I don't want to devote my life to God Uh, But hopefully today, um, you'll see a little something of why um, this guy Jesus has a pull 
to Christians. Hopefully you're going to see why Christians might want to be closer to Jesus and know him more. And maybe you're someone who's worn out. And when I say devotion, the word devotion, you kind of shiver a little bit. Um, maybe you're worn out and you just don't have anything more to give. Um, you, you don't have any more energy. You don't have any more time to give. And again, equally, I, would, I want us to be remembering this morning where any of our devotion even comes from. I don't want you to feel continually emptied out. I want you to be refilled with life. Refilled with life that you might have something left. So we're starting today with the meaning of devotion um, and what, what it means to devote yourself to God. And devoting yourself to God means to give your all to him. It means giving him everything. Matthew 22, verse 36. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Jesus said we are to love God with these three things, um, heart, soul and mind. And we can divide them up, we can divide the three of them up and think, oh, heart means this and soul means this and mind thing. But really it just means the whole self. It means the whole being, every, every part of you is to be in love with God. And he even puts in the effort to say, all your mind, all your soul, all of your heart, all of these things, it's your whole being, not just some of it, it's everything, um, which means your morality loves God, your thinking loves God, your affections and emotions and your wholeness, and your brokenness, everything loves God. Your whole person is devoted to God. The meaning of devotion to God is to be utterly poured out in love with God. So if that's what we're to do, how do we do that? We put Jesus before ourselves. John 6 verse 26 says... They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, and that just means uh, teacher, like Jewish teacher, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he's baptizing, and everyone is going to him. And so what's going on here is we've got someone going up to John the Baptist and saying, John, you're John the Baptist, okay? Um, and yet this guy that you said is a decent guy, um, he's... He's doing your job, and pe- people are going to him. They're not. You're, you're John the Baptist, and they're, does this not annoy you? And John's reply is, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I'm sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him, and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. He must become greater, I must become less. So John's illustration, he's talking about um, himself as this uh, friend 
of a bridegroom, and the bridegroom is Jesus. He's, he's the friend, and he's been hanging around with the bride. He's been hanging around with the bridegroom, and now they're together. He can back off, and he can say, Jesus, all yours. I'll become less. And this is like, um, where is this guy? James. There he is. He's getting married in a few months. He's getting married to Kiri. And he has picked Luke to be his best man. Uh, what a beautiful relationship. And you, you know how good a best man Luke is going to be. You know, how caring a guy, how supportive. On the wedding day, he's going to be supportive to the groom and the bride. He's not going to lose the rings. He's going to just be so supportive. And it gets to the point in which the vicar or registrar, whoever you've got, says to James, James, you may now kiss the bride. And at this point, Luke's wooing, but he's not backing off. He's not kind of giving them space, and he's getting up in their faces, and he's saying, James, are you, are you sure you want to kiss her like that? And, and he's like, look, maybe if I put my arm around her while you... No, uh, I'll hold her face, and you... And James is getting pretty frustrated, and James is thinking, will you back off now? This is not your time. We know Luke's not going to do that. We know that Luke um, is going to be absolutely fantastic, and he understands that he needs to back off. He needs to understand that this is James's time, and this is Kiri's time to be with James. Um, and when it comes to us being uh, totally in love with God, with our whole being, it means putting him first. It means being willing to say, he must become greater. I must become less. And loads of us here are in love with Jesus and want to make a big deal out of him. You can see that in the way the church loves each other. You can see that when people help each other move houses and help paint houses and when people would otherwise struggle. You know, we make meals for each other. This is how we love each other. Um, what happens when the church also referred to as Jesus' bride in this passage, loves each other by putting each other first. It's the church saying, I'm going to be put out here, I'm going to be made less, so that Jesus can be made more of. But it gets difficult when it's stuff that we don't like doing. We don't mind being devoted by serving in ways in which we enjoy, but then bypassing the stuff uh, we don't enjoy as much. It's really easy to fall into the trap of saying, God hasn't called me to serve in that area. Or God hasn't gifted me in this area. When really we just don't like doing that thing. But to put God first is to say, he must become greater, I must become less. And it's to be devoted in all the ways in which we don't like to be devoted that's what it means to be devoted for our whole lives, not just the bits we enjoy giving, but our whole lives to be in love with him. But where does that come from? If there's ways in which we don't love Jesus, how do we do it? Where does that love come from? For those of us that aren't fully devoted, and for those of us that, that are devoted but really just because it's what Christians are supposed to do. It's vital, it's vital we all know where our devotion is coming from in the first place. So, source of devotion. Um, our second heading today is the source of devotion. And that source is devotion towards God from God. 
Um, 1 John 4 verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Um, I don't know how many times you might have recognised love was mentioned there. It was 11 times in those few sentences. Love is mentioned 11 times. So this is very relevant when we're having a conversation about devotion. So we're going to look at these verses. And, you know, it's kind of saturated with the word love. So I'm hopefully, I've created a little illustration that is going to help us get our head around what's going on here. So if, Tim, you wouldn't mind starting us off, please. Um, I've got God represented uh, like as the sun here, um, not that he is you know, damagingly radiating, um, but it, you know, it's just like he, he's exploding with his love, it's shining out of him. And we've got us down here, um, and we are represented as a gravestone. Unfortunately, it says um, at the end of verse 9 uh, that we might live through him. That means without him, if there's kind of a cut-off, we are spiritually dead. For us to live through him... If we don't, we are spiritually dead. This is how we start off. This is how it starts. Um, And God shares his love with us. And we're represented with this arrow. And you can see we're now a leaf, we're alive. That doesn't mean God's love makes us Canadian. It means it it makes us alive. Um, So each arrow is kind of representing the love. Um, If we can move on, please, Tim. Now... I've put like several arrows on top of each other here because it says, um, live through him. That's present tense. It's continual. It is a continual God's love that is keeping us alive. It is continuous. It's not God going, right, ping, you're alive, crack on, get on with whatever you were doing. It is continual. It is love through him gives us life. Um, If we can move on to the next bit, you can hopefully see there's a little kind of arrowhead that's appeared on top there. If we go back to our first point, and that is the meaning of devotion, um, to be loving God, you'll see that it's only through God's love, and there's a lot of it, a lot of it that's giving us life, and through that, we've got that tiny little bit of love going back. We've got that tiny little bit of devotion going back to God. Um, The kind of last verse there, is verse 11, and it says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Um, And so you can see here, we've got some love kind of going out to one another. Again, the source is God's love. The source originally is coming from God, and then it's going back to him through us, and it's going out to others. It's all from God. Hopefully that makes sense. Um, And if it doesn't, whether it does or not, I don't want to leave it at that because that's still quite abstract um, and intangible. So um, we are going to... Oh, I forgot. I put this one on here just to finish off because if we forget, 
that source of love. We end up in that original position. This is how we end up living. That's not what we want. We want this. Great. So uh, what does this mean for us at CCM Reddish in 2023? In our devotion to God and each other, we keep coming back to the source. I mentioned earlier, serving in ways in which we naturally avoid, um, but we're not natural people. Christians were dead. Um, And we've been brought to life only through God's devotion to us. Um, And so it's not natural to be brought to life from death. Um, And so, as an example, James is whizzing around after church, nagging people to get onto rotors, um, or whatever ministry leader comes to you and says, hey, hey, uh, when church is finished and everyone's going home and you know, the building's empty and really you want to be going home, um, you know, you want to be in the car, sorting your lunch out. Instead, how about you empty the church's bins um, and straight away your natural reaction is, no, go away, James. I'm all right. That's the normal thing to do. But we're not normal people. Christians are not normal people. We're filled with life. When it's something we don't want to do, the natural thing is to say, no, go away. But, and that, that could be for really good reasons. Don't have time. Honestly, don't have time. Um, my family needs this thing. Work, whatever it might be. All good reasons. But if we're filled with life, from God, the thing we want to do is we want to go back to the source. We want to go back to the source, to God, re-receive his devotion to us. Re-receive that, be devoted to each other, and be made less, so that others can be made more, and Jesus be made greater. And we may not feel called to that thing, whatever the metaphorical emptying of the church's bins is. We may not feel called to that thing, but we are called to love each other and be willing to be made less so that God and others can be made more. Um, So I guess my question to you is, what, what is that thing that is emptying the church's bins? What is that thing for you that God might be actually saying, is this a way in which you could love the people around you? Is this a way in which you could love me? Um... Many of us in this room will have experienced a time when a church event has been occurring and we've not really wanted to go, Um, but something has gotten us there. Something has gotten us there. And we've gone and we've actually been really encouraged. And we've loved our time and we've been refilled with a joy or wholeness. And that is because we're going to where we belong. We're going to be with God's people. That's where we belong, with each other, receiving God's love from him and each other. All of us independently receiving from the source and directing that to each other. And we can't do that if we don't meet together. We can't. So if at any point you're on on the edge of, ah, should I I go to community group or should I... Um, you know, get, try and get the kids in the car earlier in order to get to that prayer meeting at 9.30 or even, you know, uh, 10 o'clock to chat to people and, and love people in the church. If you're ever on the edge of that, go back to God, back to the source, and ask, is this the way in which you want me to be devoted to you today? Is this the way in which, God, you want me to be devoted to you today? Oh, Lord, model of devotion and source of love, is this how you want me to share love with you?
bring it back to the source of devotion. And finally, as we move into a couple of specific examples of how we can be devoted in our faith, we talk about all these things, remembering what we've just talked through, but all of it is coming through God, that that source of devotion to us. So we're going to look at our practice of devotion, um, and we're going to break this down into two areas, stuff we are willing to give up and stuff we aren't willing to give up. That's one and two. And there are masses of areas in which, uh, you know, in our lives that we can look at. There are loads, and there are masses of scriptures that I could throw at you as well. We just don't have time on a Sunday morning um, to go through the stuff we're willing to give up and the stuff we're not willing to give up. But I've chosen just two examples. Um, But we can chat about it in community groups as well. I'm going to take this tiny opportunity now to invite you... um, James's community group on a Tuesday at James, Wednesday at James's house at Dan, Jess and Nikki's community group at Nikki's on a Tuesday come this week, talk about this stuff get into the nitty gritty, get into the specifics the stuff that actually applies to you because I'm just giving one example here uh, firstly, stuff we're willing to give up worship uh, worship, I'm talking about the musical worship that we've just done with Luke and we're going to do again, we are willing to give up time, most of us willing to give up time and energy um, to worship God. And that's great. The Bible tells us to praise God with songs. And we do. Um, We sing on Sunday mornings. We sometimes sing at community group. Um, Some of us might sing, you know, in the car on the way to somewhere or while cleaning at home. We sing. We we love worshipping God. It's great to enjoy God's gift of music and direct that back to him in, in a kind of musical devotion and praise. And so we look to the Bible about how we should worship, and we find Romans 12 verse 1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Oh, okay, that's no longer fun and games. That's not talking about some Matt Redman banger from 2002. It's not talking about the latest Hillsong big room worship anthem that we can, you know, really like scream our lungs out to. This uses the word sacrifice. Sacrifice is an old school word. And it's a bloody word. It means to give up your life. But even more importantly, it says living sacrifice. It's a continual sacrifice. And that is true worship. It's so much more than musical worship. So what might it look like? It looks like stuff we don't want to give up. And in the end, some of us might not actually like singing a whole lot, in which case you can probably put that singing bit in the other column for you. Uh, But for the majority of us, you know, I'm a musician, I love music, I love being able to direct that back at God. Um, But the example I've given here for the stuff we aren't willing to give up um, is actually um, a family Um, And to be honest, I might be worried if this was in the other column, if you were really willing to give up family. Um, So, the category is family. Luke 14 says, verse 26, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Um, Any word in there that kind of makes us shiver a little bit? Any word that anyone doesn't like? Yes? Wife. <laughs> Thank you very much, Jack. She's not here, is she? 
Um, that's just bullying if she's not here and you said that. Um, yeah, hates. Uh, but we've already read today that God is love. Um, and it says all over the Bible, God is love. So what does this mean? Um, God isn't um, quite telling us to hate our family. He's using hyperbole. Um, almost exaggeration. He's saying that there's a deep, a steep cost. Okay. Elsewhere, Jesus tells us to honour our family. But in this, he's just saying there's a steep cost. He wants him to be before our families. God wants himself to be before our families. We are to make less of those closest to us. Um, and again, I'm using family as a, as, a, as a little example here. Whatever it is for you, whatever people in your life for you that you're closest to, um, that's who we're talking about here. Um, here's a little story reported in 2019 about Adesia and her daughter, Nuraya. Adesia lived in Buera, Uganda, and she lived uh, with Muslim family for 20 years. She heard a radio program about Jesus and started to follow Jesus. This is a quote from her. My husband learned that I had accepted Christ when he found a Bible in the house. I pleaded with him to allow me to try out my new faith and see how far I would go, but he was reluctant. Within days, he became hostile towards me and Nariah, who had also started reading the Bible. Nariah is Adija's daughter. Um, I was given a week, a one-week ultimatum, decide if I wanted to become a non-Muslim and follow the lost religion of Christianity. Um, it became public that Adija became a Christian, and her family told her husband to cast her away, get rid of her, deeming her an infidel, and, and she was an enemy of the family. And he wrote her out of ownership of the property, uprooted crops that she'd planted, um, and told her to leave with their daughter, Naraya, who had also been reading the Bible and singing Christian hymns. They both live in a different part of Uganda now with a Christian family. Naraya, a child, currently lives in fear of her father finding her and beating her for her commitment to Jesus. She was informed by a relative that her father is looking for ways to kill them. Adija hasn't been able to work or cultivate crops, so survives on gifts from the church. The report finished with this quote from Adija. It has not been easy, though, through the trials, the Lord has been faithful to us. We lack many things, but eternal life is not one of them. The reward waiting for us in heaven is of more worth than our current suffering. We have so many models of devotion in the church, and here is a pair that in loving devotion of God were willing to make less of themselves um, to make Jesus greater. They lost everything to gain God and were even given the opportunities to change their minds, but willingly poured out their lives, lost their family, in devotion to God. And for some of us in the church, like Adija and Nariah, this is how we're tested. For all of the church, this is what's required. Some of us will be tested like this. All of us, this is what's required. And in the UK, we're less likely to have family reject us because we're Christians. I say less likely. We've had someone in the church um, in the last few weeks rejected um, by an employer because of their faith. 
It's less likely, but it still happens. Um, but there's still ways in, we, in which we can strive to put Jesus before our families. If you're someone that, uh, like myself that has a date night with your partner kind of scheduled in, um, in the calendar, then how about schedule time with God? And I'm not talking about uh, Sunday morning. Um, I'm talking about some one-on-one time with God. I've learned in marriage that when I'm hanging out with uh, you know, a group of people and Hannah, um, you know, I'm, having a, I'm having a great time and, and Hannah's like, oh, we've not really hung out together. I'm like, yeah, we, yeah, we were hanging out with them. And, uh, and, and yeah, we, we hung out together in the afternoon with those people. And then, you know, it was like me, me, you and James in the evening. You know, we had a great time. I know, I want some quality one-on-one time. Quality one-on-one time. And equally, we are to schedule in time with God to have some quality time. Um, I mean, he is the one who loves us most. He is the one that devoted himself to us first. It makes sense. Let's put a bit of time in there. Um, if necessary, at the expense of commitments to our families. Um, I've known of people go on long walks and listen to, you know, chunks, hours walks and, and listen to chunks of the Bible. Um, I've known of people go for a, a coffee with Jesus. Um, when I grew up, my family would all load into the car and drive to church. But my dad, he would walk to church. He'd take that longer route, um, not be with his family which probably wasn't that hard on a Sunday morning, to be honest, but not be with his family, um, to use that time to talk to God. Again, Jesus has asked us to honour our families, and so this can be a hard balance to strike between um, you know, spending time with God and also spending time with our family and honouring them. But if we catch ourselves saying, I can't fit in this time with Jesus because my child needs to whatever it is, or I won't do that church thing because... Um, my wife, dot, dot, dot. It's in those moments we need to consider, is Jesus calling us to him? They are the points in our lives when we are devoted to our families, um, not even putting ourselves first, but putting others first. They are the points in which we need to be reminded, just to check, are we, as Jesus so explicitly asks, putting him before others in our lives? 